Hello, and welcome to our podcast, What Makes Them Tip? Innovations that change everything, where we hear from business leaders and entrepreneurs about the moment, insight, or inspiration that made everything possible, and ultimately push them over the tipping point. I'm Mike Strada, founder and CEO of Arcalea, where we inspire business change by introducing data science, formal analytics, and provide implementation for marketing. Moneyball for growth-oriented businesses, we say success is now a science. Stay with us, and at the end of the show, we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the industry. And with that, let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of What Makes Them Tip, Entrepreneurial Innovations That Changed Everything. I'm your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Seth Bacon. He is the founder and CEO of Trinity Air Medical. Seth, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Timmy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's exciting to talk to you. So, Seth, we are going to be digging into the tipping point of success for your company. But before we do that, I just want to start off with you uh, as an entrepreneur. How did you decide that you wanted to be somebody that starts companies. <laughs> what was <laughs> the first entrepreneurial thing that you did? Um, you know, I, before I became founder CEO, I was actually a career firefighter. That was my passion uh, growing up uh, into high school and colleges. I wanted to be a, a firefighter. Um, and so when I turned 24, I got my uh, first full-time career firefighting position when I was 24. And I promoted very rapidly through the ranks. I was a battalion chief by the time I was in my early 30s, which is uh, in Arizona. It's a, a little unheard of to be young and at that, that level. Uh, yeah. But right, wrong, or indifferent about growing that fast, it was actually still in that moment, Timmy, where I felt rather incomplete. Uh -huh. I, I've I worked hard. I've achieved a lot. I've worked for my third department now. But is this it? is, is I don't, I just didn't feel complete. I, there I was with all this responsibility and a budget and my career vocation, my dream vocation. And I just didn't feel like I, I was complete professionally in that yeah. moment. And I always thought, even in that moment, working as a chief officer for a fire department, I wonder what it would be like to start my own business. And so, um, Fast forward a few minutes later, I was unceremoniously asked to leave the fire department. Oh, <laughs> I know I can laugh about it now because it's it's way in the past. And and if you don't learn to laugh at yourself, then you know yeah. it's it's not worth crying about all over again. But um, how much but, of that can you tell me about? Uh, yeah, very simply because we have such a short window to share these moments, right? But <laughs> um, basically, I it was a, a harassment issue. Oh, uh, they no. felt that how I treated a probationary firefighter was a, a certain level of harassment in the eyes of HR, which HR is king. And, and also was uh, the second incident was how I handled uh, punishment, you know, some disciplinary process for some firefighters that were in my battalion. Uh, uh -huh. They felt that I should have moved that up the chain. I chose to handle it at my level. They didn't agree with my decision and they all culminated at the same time. And it was just that one, two punch where I was in the eyes of HR on both incidents. And unfortunately uh, they asked me to leave and it was extremely hard, hard period of time in my life. Very, yeah. very difficult. Uh, and I, I can only laugh about it now because I bounced, you know, uh -huh. I, I figured out a way in that journey and probably one of the darkest times of my entire life, I had to figure out a way I had to believe in myself. And, you know, your question, your question was, 
when did I first do my first entrepreneurial event? What was my first company? And it was a company you've never heard of. It's a company nobody's ever heard of because it never really got off the ground, but it's called Firehouse Motorsports. I was still connected to the fire service. I loved motorcycles. And so I wanted to create an online and a brick and mortar uh, motorcycle shop where off-road and on-road, you could bring your stuff there. We'd repair it. We'd sell parts, accessories, helmets, gear, all that kind of stuff. It never got off the road because, or off the road or off the ground because that was 2009 to me. And that was uh, the beginning of the great recession. And nobody yeah. had disposable income or very, very few had disposable income to even remotely spend on recreational vehicles and alike. So that's a very, very short story about what happened to me back in 2008 and 2009. Okay. And that was between the company that you started, uh, that you, that you run now. And, uh, when you left being a firefighter. Yeah. As you've had so many entrepreneurs share with you that even in failures, it's still a success because what I learned in starting firehouse motorsports was all that stuff that I didn't know about starting a business. So for example, what I mean by that is when I went to college, I studied firefighting. My job description for almost 20 years was pull hose to fire. Right. I'm certainly dumbing down the fire service and I don't mean to, I love those guys. But, but um, when I want to start my own business, I had no idea what a financial pro forma was. I had no idea what a business plan consisted of. I had no idea what EBITDA meant. I had no idea how to spell P and L. I didn't know those things. I honestly didn't. (laughs) I didn't. I was a firefighter. You know, you don't deal with those things in public safety. So Uh in, in starting firehouse motorsports, although that company never got off the ground and, um, I learned what those things were about though. So it was the proving ground that I learned what the difference was between an LLC and a C corp or an S corp. I learned about a joint partnership versus sole proprietor. I learned how to spell P and L, you know, I, <laughs> I had that opportunity to develop uh, that skill set of just understanding what it was like and the hard work that it was going to take just to do the very, very basic grassroots of starting a business. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you go from a motorcycle shop business that didn't quite work out to the company mm-hmm. that you have now, which is Trinity Air Medical? So even though I was unceremoniously asked to leave that fire department, ironically, I was able to still obtain a job in the fire service. So I continued my fire service career, but also as many firefighters and, and other people in public safety do, they've got a side gig. Right. You yeah. got you got a, a side hustle. My side job was working for an air ambulance company as a flight paramedic. And it was actually on one of those trips, Timmy, where we were transporting this uh, this college age uh, female student from Missouri, where she was attending school there back to Arizona. She had been involved in a traffic accident in Missouri several months prior to us seeing her. And she the she recovered from the trauma of the accident, but had never recovered mentally. She had neurological brain damage, unfortunately. So the family wanted to bring her back to Arizona, $30,000 event to the family uh, because insurance is not going to pay for that. That's a, that's a private pay situation where the family's just requesting that we understand she's in a neurological facility in Missouri, but all of her family and friends are here in Arizona and she would recover much faster in Arizona. I think you and I and everybody in the world would agree. She needs to be back in Arizona. Unfortunately, the health plans aren't going to pay for that. So mom and dad have to pay for that. I worked for the company that they hired. I knew the amount of that trip. And it was during the course of that trip that I kind of nudged the nurse next to me. And I said, take a look around. She doesn't need all this. She doesn't need pilots in this private jet aircraft. And mom and dad are teachers. Mom and dad are teachers, school teachers. And they had to put up a $30,000 bill. Yeah. And I thought there's got to be a better way. So 
that was the moment. That was the aha moment where I thought there's a service line here. There's an industry here that I think that can be met where we can transport non-critical patients via commercial airlines, escorted by a nurse or paramedic and the necessary equipment to help maintain their health. And we could do it at a fraction of the cost. And mm. so in 2013 was when we finally got Trinity Aeromedical live and did our first patient transport. Wow. That, that's, a, that's an amazing story right there. Um, so what has changed about your company since then? Yeah. The very, very quick answer is we no longer perform patient transports. Okay. <laughs> yeah. How long were you doing patient transports? We did patient transports about four years. So from 2013 to about 2018, we did uh -huh. patient transports, so five years. Uh, we did patient transports and it's a great service to the community. But what we found out was we were trying to sell to health plans, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Aetna, United, all those guys. And I felt like we were getting the right audience, but we could never get activation. We could never get utilization. We never get people who are at the worker B level to actually call us like we thought we could. And we thought we could save them millions of dollars, but we those sales pitches were just in the right people, but not the right activation. And so for years, that business model of transporting patients worldwide was a retail, as a direct to consumer instead of direct to business, a B2B model, it was yeah. B2C. We had to go yeah. out there and sell to Mr. and Mrs. Smiths of the world and to the hospitals, each hospital, one by one by one yeah. to talk about how we could save them money. And there was some success there. In year one, we hit just over $100,000 in gross revenue. So for year one in a business like that, especially as a firefighter, right? A very blue collar job, that, that was a big deal. Over $100,000 in year one, like that's that's celebratory moment. This is great. Uh, I was sitting next to my business partner at the time and we got that last request to push us over the 100,000 mark for the year. And we all kind of did that immediate high five. Yeah, this is great. And then his comment was, but let's add a zero. So in other words, our goal for this company is not $100,000. Our goal for this company is at least a million dollars. So it was a very right. short-lived celebratory <laughs> moment. Yeah, yeah. We did patient transports for five years. And um, eventually we had to say goodbye to it. Yeah. Not because we wanted to, but because it just became a speed bump to everything else we were doing the, in the organization. And we really weren't making the volume changes. Year after yeah. year after year, we saw the same number. We saw the same revenue number. Yeah. When did you realize the new business model? So in the beginning of 2015, so we're, I started in February of 2013. So fast forward two years, it's the beginning of 2015. So we've been operating as a business, performing patient transports for two years now. And I sit down with my board at the time and I said, we are starting year three. And this is the year that we figure out that we either have a business or we have a hobby. And that was pivotal, pivotal in that moment where it forced everybody in that room. And some of them had a little bit of capital in the game uh -huh. where we decided that we've got to look under every rock and try to find opportunities for our business to excel. And it was just a month or two later, we got just a, an inkling of a hint that one of the hospitals that we had a relationship with was having problems with their transportation company that was doing all their logistics for the transplant team. Yeah. And their CFO was actually the one that hinted that out and said, is there anything Trinity can do? Mind you, we've been transporting patients for a couple of years now. I'd never thought about doing logistics for their transplant team. Yeah. But I knew we needed to do something. 
We had to do something. We were in year three. I was desperate. This was everything that I was doing. I was no longer a career firefighter. I had left that vocation. This was everything I was doing for the last two years. And I was struggling to keep food on the table. I mean, struggling. So we went for it. We just, we dove deep every single day, all hours, just trying to talk to with anybody that could share just a, a, a morsel of information about this line of business. And we competed in an RFP to, uh, to get the contract for the state of Arizona. And uh, somehow, some way, we won that contract. And that was a huge moment for us. I'm nodding my head like I know what an RFP is. <laughs> request for proposal. Okay, so, got it. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of companies will send out an RFP, a request for proposal, and they'll kind of shoot it out there into space to see how many companies respond back and let them compete yes. for your business. And uh, now, now I feel like the yeah. guy who doesn't know how to spell PNL. <laughs> well, no, no, no. The only reason why I knew RFP was we actually had those in the fire service too. So that was the one thing that I could carry <laughs> forward was RFP. Yeah. But um, it was tough and we really had to put it out there. And truth be told, in the beginning, when we competed for the RFP, years later, I found this story out. They weren't going to select us in the very beginning uh, when they received our application. They knew that we were small. And even in that statement, I don't think they knew how small we really were, Timmy. Uh, we were how small were you? <laughs> a company of one running from my kitchen table. Wow. We had, we had no real estate. We had no assets. We had more liabilities than assets. Uh, we, uh, that part I knew as well. Um, yeah. we, we, we were super small and all we had was our part-time contract nurses and paramedics who were doing the patient transports yeah. and me. That's wow. all that we had, but I wanted this and I felt like there was a way that if we continue to engage them and continue to show our willingness as a small company that can shift fast and move quickly and learn and adapt to their needs, that we could be more responsive and more and care more about their mission than anyone else. And yeah. ultimately, that's what got us the contract. And, and what year again did you win that? 2015. 2015. Okay. So what's happened since then? So now Trinity Air Medical... All we do is transplant logistics and transportation. That's it. Um, we still serve those same customers in Arizona that we started off with in 2015. That's a huge badge of honor. The contract has renewed twice. We've been ahead of that process both times, but now we've also been able to grow our footprint across the country. So we've got a strong presence in California, Florida, uh, Washington, Utah, Nevada, et cetera. Uh, we've been able to kind of grow our footprint nationwide and take our unique business model as uh, into a very niche industry. Yeah. So I guess if I were to ask you what the tipping point of success for your business was, that's probably what you would say. Yeah. I think so. Um, you know, everyone has that aha moment and, and you've got to do something with that moment. You know, everyone has that, you know, if I could create a business, I would do this. Well, go for it. Yeah. You know, what are you, what are you waiting for? Especially while you got a job, the best time, you know, they say the best time to find a job is while I got a job. Well, the best time to also build a business is while you still have a job. You don't have to quit everything. I just found myself in a particular moment where if I don't do this, if I don't go after it headstrong with everything I got, it's never going to get to where I want it to go. And I had to see it through. So for me, eventually I had to leave that job to give this everything I shot. And it was tough. I mean, no money, zero money in order yeah. to invest in this. But the key moment to your point was in 2015 when, when one of our customers asked us if we could assist them with 
this, you know, this, this business model over here, kind of off to the side. Is this something you guys can do? Can you look at? And we could have very easily in that moment said, no, we, we transport patients. Do you have more patient transports for us? No. Instead we said, we'll take a look at it and, and we'll uncover. And this was a book of business that the two previous providers prior to us had gone bankrupt during the period of time that they owned the contract. And so when I found out that information and brought it back to my team, the first question they asked was, well, then why do we want it? Yeah. If the other two businesses failed and went bankrupt during the course of time that they owned this contract, why in the world would we want it? Yeah. My answer was, because I think there's a better way. I think there's a better way of performing this business that keeps us out of the financial trouble that the other companies experienced. And we went for it invested hard. It was not easy, not an easy ride. It's very stressful book of business. You know, it's high stress 24 seven, it's 365. There's never a day off, never a moment off. And uh, you got to be a unique individual to sign up to do that type of business. I'm curious to know what these other companies were doing wrong that you did right. I think the most important part was the financial overhead. They were air charter companies that owned aircraft and pilots, and mechanics, and hangers. And they're trying to make this square business model that they have fit into every hole of every opportunity. Uh, 50% of times that square model is going to fit the square hole. But what about the other 50% of the time? Now you've got the wrong airplane or the pilot that is the wrong type of pilot, or this is just a short flight. Why do we have this big jet? Or this is now a long flight. Why do we have a small jet? Um, And so we were able to create an organization that served our customers that did not have what I call the big iron. We don't own airplanes. I don't have a hangar, Uh, but we're able to do a contract with several providers of different types of aircraft. So it's the right aircraft for the right mission at the right time. And following that mission, now let them pay for the big iron. I've got a contract with those guys for certain rates and utilization of service, and I can better serve my customers because I'm not giving them the square business model every single time. I'm able to adapt and give them options, which in turn, down the line, saves them efficiency and money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Just a curiosity question about the tipping point. So a lot of times I'll hear from different entrepreneurs, um, you you know, you, you've got to be able to say no, if you want to be successful at your business. And then others yeah. will say like, you've got to, you've got to say yes to the opportunities <laughs> that come. If you're going to be successful in your business, how yes. do you know when you say no? And when you say yes, how Are do you, you know starving? <laughs> I guess that's probably a good point right there. <laughs> Are you starving? If you're starving, the answer is yes. I will look at everything. Uh, I will look at everything if I'm starving, but <clears throat> the evolution of a business. So in the beginning, you don't have a business. As, as Mark Cuban always says, you're a wannabe. Yeah. You know, uh, you're a wannabe entrepreneur. Um, I think in the beginning, you've got to say yes to every opportunity because you never know when someone's going to hint something to you that's going to turn your company 180 degrees in the right direction. Yeah. But then, comes a point in time where you, uh, you know, you're in that stage of business where you're, you're through the fun stage or that startup stage. And now you're in the fun stage and trying to get to predictable success, whatever level you're getting to where now you've got to be strategic. Now you've got to use innovation. And I think it was actually Steve Jobs that coined, you know, innovation is the ability to say no 
to all the things that are presented to you. And that's actually innovation. And I agree with them, but it takes a while to get to that point. So I think it's an evolutionary process to me where in the beginning, you're probably not saying no at all. You're trying to really figure out what sticks and what doesn't, what's best for your organization. But then later on down the line, when you're really determining your, your strategic growth and objective and, and what's serving the organization, we had to say no to patient transports, not because our heart wanted to, but because the, the rhythm, the heartbeat, the cadence of the organization was getting disrupted when those types of service requests would come. And like I mentioned, they just really weren't producing the volume that we ever expected it to be. And at some point in time, we eventually just had to say, you know, that that's not us anymore. We served a great purpose for a long time and this is going to suck. But to get to where we want to go, to get everyone laser focused on what our true mission is going forward in the future, we have to evolve. We have to adapt. And this is it. Yeah. Yeah. What are your biggest challenges now, Seth? And what is a uh something, what is a tipping point of success that you're still hoping to get to with your company? Great questions. Um, I think obviously we're hundred percent focused on transplant logistics. That's us. Um, now our biggest challenge is how to get to be number one. Mm-hmm. I want to be number one in the country period. That's a bold statement. We've made tremendous progress since 2015 to this year to 2021 tremendous progress. Uh, to where I would actually proudly stand on a stage and say, we're top two. We are top two in the country in terms of how we deliver business, this particular type of business to our very unique customers, which is transplant hospitals and organ procurement organizations. We are proudly number two in the country uh, or in the top two in the country in our ability to deliver. But to truly be number one, to stand out, to be the you know, the Amazon, the Apple, the Google, you know, all those kinds of things. Not that we'll ever get to be that big of the billions of dollars. I'm just, I'm just talking about that notoriety within the industry. That's going to take laser focus, a ton of dedicated people and the acceptance by everybody in the building to know that that's where we got to go. That's where we're going. Cause sometimes along the way, people don't quite understand that they'll come into the organization at a particular period of time. And that's how they want to keep it. They want to keep it right here. It's controllable. It's in the palm of their hand. They can see it. They can feel it. And we're doing good right here. Why do we have to go to in other States? We're successful right here. Or we're, we're, why do we have to grow more? That's not my goal. My goal is to help more hospitals and more OPOs do more, reduce the organ shortage, do our part in doing that. The rest will take care of itself. Let's stay focused on that mission. So that's that's probably the hardest part. And then the last part was, you know, what's been the what's been the tipping moment? I think of this last year. Is that what you asked? Well, I'm no, but I'm curious oh. to hear it. Oh. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> um, COVID's a mother, right? Yeah, it, and it's it's affected everybody. Some companies have really prospered through it. We've been okay. We've been okay. Our our numbers actually went up last year, but they've also gone down. What I mean by that is we've increased our customers. The numbers should have increased this much, but they only increased this much. And Mm -hmm. that's because not everybody can be, not all the transplant hospitals can be as aggressive as they want to be because of the amount of ICU space available, et cetera, et cetera. Got it. Got it. You is that we did have, we did suffer a downturn like most other people and most other businesses, but instead of furloughing, we had we had financial reserves enough to be able to keep everyone on PPP loan was a huge deal, you know, and just our own financial strength, but instead of, and we had to go remote like everyone, 
But you know that secretary that answers the door and sits at the front desk and does her job normally Monday through Friday? Um, we don't have anybody walking through the front door anymore. Heck, we hardly have employees walking through the front door anymore. So where can we put that individual? We're going to keep them on. So what we decided to do is give some of those people with um, responsibilities that we could share now into business development, into awesome. running social media, yeah. into other places of the business that will expand our growth, our horizons, our vision, and make sure that we're getting our name out there more so now than ever before. And here's the people and the team that have been fortified to do it. Yep. And so that yep. was something we tried to do this last year. I love it. Seth, how can listeners connect with you? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Seth Bacon. And um, ironically, I think there's a few Seth Bacons out there, but I'm the one in, <laughs> I'm the one in Arizona. Not Steve Bacon. No, no. <laughs> Long story. Seth, thanks for being on the show. You bet. Thanks, Timmy. Thank you for listening to our show, What Makes Them Tip, innovations that changed everything. If you're an entrepreneurial leader and you'd like to share the inspiration that changed everything in your business or venture, please visit arcalea.com slash guest and a small request. If you've liked this interview, please help us out by sharing this episode with a friend or on social with the hashtag Arcalea. You can also help us out right now by providing a review in your podcast player and a thumbs up or rating review would help a ton. We promise to read every word and it helps us improve a little bit each day. And while you're at it, please also subscribe because every week you're going to be inspired and learn from other leaders in bite-sized increments. Again, my name is Mike Strada. Let's connect either on social or stay up to date on all things business at arcalea.com. Thanks again for listening and thank you for being part of the over 99% of America's firms that make up the entrepreneurial community. Until next time.